Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, folks, we've got a treat today. Um, if there's an Oscars awarded in the field of management, uh, Thinkers 50 is probably where you want to go to find out who's who. And Oleg Konolov uh, is my guest today, Dr. Oleg Konolov. And he has been nominated uh, and he's actually been shortlisted for a leadership award in the Thinkers 50. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on around this. He's got a book out that's um, called The Vision Code. And just in my perusal of the book, I, I needed to have him on the show. He is, he's just an incredibly talented individual, first of all, as a writer, but also as one of the preeminent thought leaders in the field of leadership development today. So, Oleg, I want to thank you for joining me. I am very honored to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, actually, Blaine, for me, I'm blessed. You know, being on a great shows, actually, I'm having one-to-one -one coaching for free for the hosts such as you. Oh, you know, which is great. I'm learning from your questions. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure, my pleasure. You know, you're one of the Marshall Goldsmith number one leading coaches. Um, I mean, which in itself is, is a pretty good honor. I mean, I've known Marshall for, for a period of time and known of him for much longer. Um, how, I'm gonna just start with, a, with an opening question that I typically will ask. Yeah, when you hear the term, the soul of business, which is the topic of this podcast, what does it bring to mind for you? The soul of business. Great question, and actually, I could, I must confess that my understanding, or I have changed that understanding over the years, because initially I've thought, and I wrote quite a few works around corporate culture, and I was emphasizing that culture is a soul of organization. Whoever controls the soul controls the body, and so organization. And I was thinking, hey, Culture is important. But on the back of my mind, it was a process. I was thinking for years about how to explore a vision and things like that. But I was, at that stage, I was quite far away from truth. I was just touching it. And now I could say that to live a meaningful life, to have a meaningful business, which is impactful in a good way, which attracts and works like a magnet for people, as someone with a great soul, you must have a vision. Yeah. Because without vision, you have just an organization with a pile of reports, without people really engaged with, uh, with what they do. And in fact, you realize that without vision and without clear understanding where 
how it's meaningful and purposeful, it's only a certificate of incorporation. It's a piece of paper. Yeah. You need to have it because without vision, you can't get people on board uh, in a true sense. Yeah, you're employing people, but they're just working for money. They're yeah. not committed. They're just, you know, Gallup uh, and listeners have heard me cite this statistic a lot. Yeah, you know, Gallup does an annual poll around employee engagement. Yeah. And for 20 plus odd years, it's it's hovered right around 87, 84, 83% disengagement worldwide in the workforce. And <clears throat> I, I, I mark that out, and I know that you're familiar with this. Yeah, in, in my work in, in corporate, uh, in the corporate world, I've been you know, doing this for about 40 years, and vision has always been part of the conversation in every organization I've worked with. And usually what I'll find in the boardroom or in the hallways of the office or whatnot, or the, or the, the building, is that the vision statement is a piece of art. It's up on the wall. Uh, people have got it in uh, their, their little card on the back of their name card or whatever it is. And, but basically, it's a placeholder. It, it, it literally is just artwork. It doesn't have any life to it at all. Nothing. It's, yeah, you know, it's so, just it's, it's, it, Well, this is my question for you, because, I mean, you work, I mean, you are really effective with this. How do you bring vision to life? And this is very, very much tied to, you know, the soul of the business. How do you not only articulate that, but how do you keep it alive in a meaningful way that's impactful, that connects people to what they're doing? How, how have you found that that is actually accomplished? And it's, I'm, I've got a hunch it's kind of situational, but there are some, some generic things that I think can pay, you know, people can pay attention to. You see, actually is a very important question uh, and thank you for asking because I'm learning from that question myself. It's a lot, another dimension or facet of vision. First of all, the vision itself must be very strong, you know, and uh, it's not, as you rightly said, it's not a piece of art. It's not uh, a great plaque on a wall. Because it wouldn't inspire people. It would be just like, what is it all about? Okay, cool. You know, it's, it's my promise, which would never happen. I wouldn't deliver this promise. The vision itself must be really strong because I'm inviting people into the future. I'm creating that future reality being here now. And people so attracted to it, they want to be there, they're committing themselves. In fact, vision is our aspiration for the future that we strive to make reality today. More or less, we're putting our signature on that future being here now. And a vision comes when your conscious awareness of a problem that you want to solve for the benefit of others reaches its peak. So it's nothing about we want to be a $1 billion company. Nothing about this. Because nothing for people in this. What people would gain for it. But to keep it live, of course, it's about great leadership. It's not about looking for consensus because we're looking for consensus when we don't know where to go. But it's about everyone directed in one direction, everyone walking this way. But it's about making others the co-owners of vision and for them to feel that they are co-owners, that they must clearly understand and see that they're getting the results of their vision. They're benefiting from them and they're enjoying 
executing it, achieving it. And that's important yeah. because then everyone would start adding value to it. Vision, it's not a promise that they will gain value in 30, 40, 50 years time. No, yeah. it's value added at every stage of the vision achievement, at every stage of this journey. And yeah. people could see, yes, they're gaining. They're gaining something for themselves, for their families, for their colleagues, for their fellowship. It's for everything. And they start adding because they're contributing to something that they will get themselves. Now, I, I, the, in, in the way that I've actually languaged that in the work that I do, <clears throat> what's oftentimes missing in the formulation and the presentation of a vision is an articulation or an invitation to inquire about the for the sake of what. Why does this, yeah, how, how does this make a difference? I mean, this kind of goes to your notion about impact. And impact has to be personal yeah, if people are going to buy into it, in my experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, that's a reason because uh, when you look at a vision, it has six <laughs> criteria. Well, the very first criteria is stimulus. What is the value for people? And so it reflects the true core of leadership, acting for people, acting with people and acting for their needs. So what's the value for people? But stimulus assumes response immediate response if it's really valuable for people. Because if people don't see the value for themselves, they will say, yeah, they would nod their heads, but it's nothing for them. And they wouldn't respond properly. So if it's, uh, we're talking about employees, they would be saying, yeah, 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 I will do my job. And I will leave it fine. If it's clients, they will be saying, cool, but I wouldn't pay for it. If you're looking for supporters or investors, they will think, good idea. Let's talk next time. You know, they wouldn't respond to it. Because yeah. even at the that subconscious level, they would be, it's nothing for me. You know, the, it's interesting. It's, yeah. yeah. And that's the, yeah. You know, I'll, check, I'll just check this out with you in your, in your own experience in, in your coaching and consulting work. Um, and it, when I've worked with senior executives, very intelligent people, these are smart people. I mean, you know, they, they, they uh, know what they're doing. And when they go to articulate a future state, yeah, here's, here's the vision or here's the possibility that we'd like to manifest, they will tend to rely on logic. Uh, here's the business case for why this is important. Here's, yeah. What, what it will make possible for us as an organization. And what I've come to learn is that communicating with human beings isn't a logical process. It's actually a biological process. I need to tap into that, that feeling structure. And if I'm, if I'm not getting connected at feeling level, I get exactly what you were just describing. I get a head nodding going, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah Let me know yeah. when you get there. Yeah, yeah exactly. let me know when you get there. Send me a message. I'm not coming. Yeah, <laughs> because actually, it must be, you know, if it's a great vision, and if I have a strong vision, I make others the multipliers of my vision because I'm passing my passion through them. And passion is a serious business itself because without that emotional value, it would remain a statement. 
it wouldn't have that volume. It wouldn't have that soul touch. You know, it wouldn't be a soul of something important that we all do together. And another thing is, in some faces, uh, people believe about reincarnation of souls, right? Mm -hmm. Think of a vision and think of a statement. What is the difference? Can I leave a statement as a legacy to the next generation of employees or to my kids or to the next generation? No, because that is just a statement will be forgotten in a matter of minutes. But vision, we could leave as a legacy to the next generation of employees. So if it's true reincarnation, and so what I call, if you have a vision, you're living a new life every time when you are revitalizing it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you grow with it. Yeah. Your soul becomes... That. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, uh, this philosopher. He's a, uh, a 18th century Scottish jurist. His uh, name is Thomas Troward. Thomas Troward mm-hmm. uh, did some fascinating philosophical writing. And in one of the treatises that he wrote, and this came out of his Edinburgh lecture series, uh, was uh, around the notion of beauty. And in the way that he positioned this, he says, you know, beauty is present everywhere if you take the time to look at what the soul is trying to express. So, if, you know, and so, for example, if, uh, if I look at the Mona Lisa, it's just paint on canvas. But if I look at it through the lens of what's the soul, you know, what, what was the vision of Da Vinci? What was, what was coming through? And then I can apprehend the beauty of it and I'm touched by it and I want to stand in front of it for an hour or an hour and a half. And it's only a small painting. And so, you mean, the size of it is not that impressive, but the beauty of it is phenomenal. A sunset, the same sort of a thing. Uh, The beauty comes through. Vision has beauty to it, or if vision has beauty to it, yeah, then I think we've actually tapped into something. And that's one of the things that I heard you talking about here in, in the way that you positioned this. Uh, first of all, I believe that every true leader must see the beauty in a world that would allow him to see the beauty in people. If you don't see beauty in people, how you could do something tremendous, how you could create a value for them, how you would really cut and power them. You know, you need to see the beauty in the world around you. You need to, okay, some people are better with understanding art. Some people are better with understanding nature around them. Doesn't matter. You must see the beauty in those things around you. And one of the interesting criteria I was looking when I was writing the vision code in this book, I was looking how to explore that the golden ratio of vision. So how to reveal that beauty, because every strong vision is so elegant, is so beautiful, is so strong. Otherwise, how it could attract so many people around it. Yeah. I I, I love your tying the golden ratio into that. (laughs) And for those of you that aren't familiar with the golden ratio, I'm not going to spend time to to talk about it here, but look it up. Do a Google search on the golden ratio. It's everywhere. 
Yeah, I mean, and and when I say it's everywhere, it's everywhere in the context of beauty in particular. Yeah, yeah, and there's so the, the symmetry that is there and, and present with that. Yeah, we've got a uh, meditation labyrinth out on the property here, and it was designed in accordance to the golden ratio. Uh, yeah, and, and it's a beautiful labyrinth. <laughs> I love walking it. It's 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 phenomenal. It is. The, the, yeah, yeah. The the vision code. Um, the, the word code implies that there's an algorithm uh, that's in place oh, yeah. here. Um, why don't you, because yeah, the, the book was just published. Yeah, it came out uh, well, a couple of months it, ago, I believe. Yeah, it's released a few months ago by Wally. And, yeah. and Wally initially said, okay, we will run the, you know, we will release uh, it in the UK first, and then in a couple of weeks. Uh, later, we'll release in the in the USA. Then they realized, no, 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 it will go vice versa because the demand is there. So that was quite interesting process. I came from fishing industry background. I love and I believe in practical things. Uh, so if you're preaching about something, show how to do it. And this is for the first time in a human history where the nature of vision was revealed and turned into a practical model, business tool. So in the book, people could find how to create vision, how to grow as visionary leaders, how to check it in terms of viability. It's like viability test to make it really functional and pragmatic because vision is not an illusion. It's very pragmatic mm -hmm. or thought construct that may, uh, offers uh, outcome. And so how to influence and expand your vision and how to execute it and so how to revitalize it. And also what was important for me to look how visionaries from across the globe, different people, brilliant people, how they think. Because vision is a different way of thinking. We talk about soul. When you have a greater soul, you're becoming wiser. You're not becoming smarter. You probably notice, blame. The people with great souls, they're usually very wise. And this is a difference how these visionaries think. So how they're feeding their souls with the right ideas or with the right thoughts. And it was important for me to look how these people think and so act as a result. And here we are. We've got a practical business tool. <laughs> practical business. Now there's an oxymoron if I've ever heard one. <laughs> practical <laughs> business. <book. Yeah. laughs> We're going to take a real quick break right now, Oleg. And when we come back, um, I want to, yeah, and again, I'm going to come back to the, the nature of code, but I want to you know, have a, a little conversation about the, you know, how mindset actually influences somebody's ability to leverage that code. Uh, I mean, there's research data that suggests 95% of my behavior is out of sight, out of mind. It's, it's habitually uh, automatically regulated. Only 5% of my behavior is consciously directed. And that iceberg notion gets a very interesting uh, interplay in terms of a leader's ability to get people to you know, cross over a line, so to speak. Uh, okay. So we'll, we'll be right back. We're going to take a short break, folks. And when we come back, I will rejoin uh, my guest, Oli Konovalov. Uh, okay, see you real soon here. I want to thank you for listening. 
Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week-long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind Program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. You're listening to Blaine Bartlett on the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. My guest today, Ole Kanabalov. And uh, Ole, um, yeah, the, the vision code, uh, pragmatic. Uh, and the, the intent was, how do we actually leverage, how, how, how do we build it effectively? And, and you said something about the, you know, there's a distinction between being wise and being smart. And wise people fill their heads with wise, with, with a different kind of thought process, or they actually engage in a different thought process than mm-hmm. smart people. And in business, <clears throat> most of the people I work with are highly intelligent. These are smart people. Some of them, some of them like to think they're the smartest people in the room. Um, yeah, which is all another conversation entirely. But pragmatically speaking, uh, as a leader that, uh, or a leadership team that has you know, developed a vision for the future, and, and one of the things that I think leaders do, effective leaders do, is they make possibility visible for other people. Oh, yeah. They make it visible. Until it's visible, it's, it's, not, uh, it's, it, it, it's not something that is actionable, you know, truly. So when it starts to move into action, behavior becomes part of the process, obviously, when, you know, execution. You know, we have to execute on the strategy, and so the tactics come into play. And uh, research data, and I mentioned this prior, just prior to taking the break here, um, so research data indicates that about 95% of an, you know, of an individual's behavior is rooted in what we could call their mindset. It's that unconscious uh, uh, or subconscious uh, dynamic that is you know, contains my belief systems, uh, my uh, biases, my you know, family of origin. Uh, I mean, all of this stuff that gets bundled into this sense of who I am, my identity. Yeah. And <clears throat> what I found that limits a lot of people in life isn't who they think they are, it's who they think they're not. And that lives in that area of that unconscious bias, that, that mindset. So when you're asking people to behave differently, which oftentimes is, is, is required if you're going to move into a vision uh, because you're going to a place that you've never been before. So you're going to, by almost definition, behave differently as a process of getting there. What have you found, yeah, actually two-part question, what have you found is, is uh, likely to be the most difficult hurdle for leaders to overcome in that process 
and getting people to, to, to behave differently in, in, in pursuit of that vision. And, and so I'll just you know, ask that first part of the question. We'll come back to the second part in just a minute here. We, all of us, we have a difficulty or issue which I call a mind luck. So our thoughts are too much in the past, very little in the present, and actually not into the future. Even the smartest people, they're still exercising their position and still relying on the previous successes. But my previous success is a killer of my next success. I'm still relying on my past. But if I'm talking about creating the future, my thoughts must all of my thoughts must be there because there are no answers for the futures. We hardly have answers for the past, actually. We don't know everything. And yeah. historians, you know, all these history guys, they're very busy trying to dig out the truth, but they're still far from it, you know. So it's about closing the gap towards the future instead of closing it towards the past. That is a very serious issue. And uh, when I start in terms of when I coach my clients or training people on my course, that's the first thing I need to do to weed them out, out of from their past, out of their bubbles created by their past experience. Another thing is many people love talking problems. If you talk about future, you better talk about solutions. You see, what I'm always explaining, look, I'm a coach, I'm a consultant, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not digging into your past, I'm guiding you into the future. Therefore, it's nothing about this. We're creating vision, which is times greater than you and your organization. When you see that vision, when you're creating it, you're ignoring those things where you have difficulties or weaknesses, doesn't matter. I'm moving forward. I'm becoming unstoppable because mm -hmm. that leads me everywhere, regardless of my background, ethnicity, age, gender, doesn't matter. Yeah. People move forward. And this is a very strong force. It's there quite a number of factors which should be really analyzed in terms of where you are. Are you sacrificing and committing yourself for that great future? Or are you just still hiding yourself behind excuses? Oh, I came from such a, a bag, cultural background that doesn't allow doing something. Hey, if you want to change the world, go on. Stop mm -hmm. it. We all have a a huge list of excuses not to do something. But even if you see really something great, you're ignoring this list, you're moving forward. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and yeah, just and to kind of net that out, where, where my attention goes is where my energy is directed. Exactly. And so, a great point, it's not about time management, it's about energy management. Because yeah. we are all injected with this wrong assumption of a time management. Time management is good 
for the factory workers. They need to produce so many spare parts or bolts and nuts within a certain period of time. But if I'm just a knowledge worker, hey, my energy is in my head, in my thoughts, and this is what I'm paid for. And this is what I'm devoting my life to produce energy, which would be converted into some kind of a value, real value for people. That's yeah. about energy. That, that it is, and it's yeah. We we live in a field of energy. I mean, you know, yeah, I, yeah. Max Planck talks about that. I mean, I, yeah, if we if we look at a quantum physics conversation around this, just in terms of this this physical space that we live and work and operate and breathe and, and make love in it, it everything's vibrating everything vibrates you know, in different frequencies and the, the definition quantum translating from latin is how much uh, how much is how dependency much? between the present and the future and actually the latest role is to connect that present with that future and so the it's not just interrelated it's not just yeah. connected. It happens simultaneously. Whatever I will do yes. now, immediately is a signal there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 I mean, everything, I mean, everything literally is in lockstep. You know, there is no separation fundamentally. So, which is interesting when we start looking at how most people actually conduct business. They conduct business as if, and, and this is where, I mean, for those of you that are going to be viewing this um, on, on my YouTube uh, station, yeah, over my right shoulder here is the book, Compassionate Capitalism, uh, A Journey to the Soul of Business. And I, I mentioned that in the, in the context of connection here, most businesses in my experience, and this is where we've gotten uh, down the road, uh, I think a, a, a little too far in, in our capitalistic models, we operate as if we are separate from the rest of reality. And we're separate from nature, we're separate from and then just kind of fill in the blank. And as a consequence of that separateness, we do great harm. And the idea of compassionate capitalism is I, you know, if, if I feel connected as a business leader, I feel connected to my people. As a business, we, we collectively feel connected to our customers. We feel connected to our environment. Compassion begins to come in and we start to make decisions that are in service to that greater connection. And, and where I'm you know, kind of leveraging this is uh, my notion of the for the sake of what and, and, and wise people thinking thoughts that are different than smart people or thinking in different ways than smart people. And this is a different way of thinking, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I'll start with something uh, that you mentioned. It's responsibility for the future. We are all living artifacts for the next generation. Whatever we'll do, will be judged by a, an extended result, not by the reports, because no one would be looking at the reports and the bottom lines, where they would be looking at how much we impacted their lives for the next generation. But the, no, uh, the notion of you mentioned about decision-making is very important because here's the difference decision and a choice because we are good at choices and hardly few are good at decision making and one of the reasons people don't know where to go and therefore they're just relaxing on choices choice is a great excuse mm -hmm. we have done poorly because we had poor choices decision assumes commitment and responsibility 
you decided to get married. So you committed yourself to this person forever. Mm -hmm. uh, when we talk about choices, it doesn't assume much responsibility or commitment. Oh, we have this choice now, we might have another choice. So we're big fans of McDonald's menu because it's simple and cheap. Choice. So cheap that, okay, if you're not happy with a hamburger, you will go for chips, you know, just like, and that's doesn't work because impact is tremendous. People, we must, when you see, to enable decision-making, you must make people free by giving them a clear direction. We are not free if we don't know where to go. Yeah, we can make choices if we don't know where to go, yeah. but we don't make, yeah. I think I'll just go this way. I think I'll go that way. Yeah, that smells good going that direction. You know, the fragrance. But it's like, uh, you know, uh, someone stupid with a lot of money in a shopping center without clear idea what to buy. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great analogy. That, that <laughs> truly is. The, 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 I have never heard anybody position you know, the distinction between choice and decision in that way. And I love that distinction. Thank I you. absolutely love that. Uh, I mean, and, and I'm going to steal it from you. So again, <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. give you notice. On that. It's already in the book. <laughs> it's already in the book. Okay. Uh, Oleg, we're, we're, we're coming to uh, the end of our time together. Unfortunately, I could go on with this conversation forever. What, what, you know, I mean, as a parting gift or as a parting comment or as a parting thing, you know, what would you like people to know about? And it could be something that you're up to. It could be, you know, the direction you'd like to point them, whatever it might be. What, 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 uh, where would you like to uh, kind of conclude this uh, as kind of a wrap up for you that makes it impactful for you and meaningful for you? Most people believe that vision is a gift and a gift for a few selected, you know, it's not true. Vision is a forward thinking algorithm, which I have shared so they could find about it in the book. And I wish more people to become visionaries and think about this because we are responsible for making our lives meaningful, our businesses purposeful. So it's not a gift, everything in your hands and just take it learn it and go it's if you're good at making a decision i want to be a visionary you have it you will have it it's simple it's not easy but it's simple so at least uh, they could ask for my service or they could join my course or at least read the book and they will get a lot of lessons because i brought into this book experiences from 19 brilliant visionaries from across the globe but so my message would be simple. Vision is for everyone who decided, who could make a decision to live a meaningful life and run a meaningful business. And the second part of this message, when you've got your vision, don't allow anyone to silence your vision. Uh, yeah. yeah. Regarding yeah. back to your uh, analogy, what about soul? Don't allow anyone to ruin your soul. Yeah. So on that note, I'm going to just ask you to kind of cap this off by yeah, reflecting on how are you leaving it better than you found it? 
Marshall Goldsmith asked me when I finished this book and we had a conversation with him. I said, what's your experience? You know, I said, Marshall, nothing has impacted me to such extent as the work on this book. So when you have a true vision, when you have a true understanding what you do, it impacts you so greatly in a good way that you see that many things we live are really meaningless. And you're just really focusing on the very important things. And that's another level in the quality of life. And I'm grateful for this. I'm blessed. Thank you. I want others to be blessed. Uh, my guest, Oleg Konolov, uh, Konovalov, uh, Dr. Oleg Konovalov. Um, the book is The Vision Code. Um, folks, um, I, I recommend a lot of things uh, on this uh, podcast, um, but this one has got a five-star recommendation. Um, Thank you. Go do yourself uh, a service. Go to your favorite book <laughs> vendor uh, and uh, get a copy of this. And uh, take some time to not just skim it, not just read it, but to study it. And there's a distinction there. You know, decide to study. Decide to study it. Uh, you will be well served. This has been Blaine Bartlett. You've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, go to my website. Um, I mentioned it on the little commercial break, blainebartlett.com. And check out some of the resources there. Uh, specifically, you may be interested in my mastermind program, the Leadership Mindset Mastermind. Uh, it's an ongoing program, um, and uh, it will be well worth your investment. I can guarantee that. So again, until next time, Oleg, thank you very much thank for you. joining us. And I, I'd love to have you come back at some point in time. Thank you. So, you bet. Absolutely. <laughs> Folks, we're out of here and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.